The Mariners will have to finish up their last road trip of the regular season without Julio Rodriguez. We'll get you set for their weekend series with the Royals and go over some off-season would-you-rathers here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, September 23rd, 2022. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts are in the description of the show wherever you're watching or listening to this. And on the show today, Julio Rodriguez is likely going on the IL. Why, that's for the best. And Colby's got five would-you-rathers for the offseason. We're going to go over a little later on in the show. But first, Colby, let's dive into this series that the Mariners are beginning at Kauffman Stadium down in Kansas City with the Royals starting tonight. They're going to be playing all the way through Sunday uh, to uh, wrap up their play with the Royals on the season. Of course, the uh, the Mar- Mariners handled this Royals team uh, back in Seattle all the way back in April, I believe it was, long, long, long time ago. Uh, and they're going to be uh, catching Brady Singer tonight, who's been uh, pretty good this year. Uh, he is uh, rocking a 3.07 ERA this year. Marco Gonzalez is the counterpunch for the uh, for the Mariners there, and then Logan Gilbert going on the bump for the M's tomorrow against Chris Bubich, who's really really struggled. And then uh, Sunday, Luis Castillo going for the Mariners, and of course everyone's favorite pitcher to be determined is uh, going for the Royals on uh, on that one. So we'll see who uh, is pitching for the Royals a little later on. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, what stands out to you here about this series uh, heading into Coppin Stadium? Of course, the Mariners going to be without Julio Rodriguez. We'll be talking about that a little later on. Uh, but what's your overall feel? Um, well, it's hard to feel too good about anything the Mariners are doing right now uh, just because, well, you've watched them on this road trip. So uh, I don't feel great about it, especially without Julio, who's kind of been one of your only one of your only performing players. Uh, that being said, even without Julio, you should still win this series. Of course, you should have won the Angels series. You should have won the A's series. So, you know, same song, hopefully different result, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, no, I mean, you're not throwing your best uh, until Sunday at the earliest, but Gilbert's been very good. And, and honestly, Marco's been pretty good lately as well. So uh, you feel pretty good about whoever's starting right now. Um, and yeah, the bats should be enough. This isn't a good Royals team. They sold at the deadline. <clears throat> Mariners don't have to worry about Whit Merrifield anymore. They don't have to worry about Andrew Benatendi. Uh, this is a, a team that's that's not very good, and yet scares the daylights out of me because they're like the antithesis of the Mariners. They're still athletic. They catch the ball. They run around. The Mariners do none of those things, and I can only pray that Jesse Winker isn't asked to cover ground in Kauffman Stadium once. Although I have a feeling he will probably be in left field tonight with uh, with Jared in center. So, yay. Um, but, but no, they got to find a way to score some runs, uh, as they always do. Uh, you know, home runs, it's – Kauffman Stadium's not exactly known for, for the home runs. 
uh, total, but there's big. It's a big outfield. There's curved walls, so you put one in the gap. You can get plenty of extra bases, and and this is where you know you'd like to see Sam Haggerty step up and perform a little bit. This is a ballpark that's kind of built for his skill set. Um, you know, same with Dylan Moore, uh, JP Crawford at like the the slap hitters more or mm-hmm. less. This is kind of the ballpark that's built for them, uh, and then. You know, we'll see. It's it's going to be a lineup without Gino. It's going to be a lineup without Julio. So they're going to need other p- players to step up. And I don't know. I guess it's worth noting since he's kind of the man of the hour. Jared Kelnick had his best game of his career uh, in Kansas City at two home runs. Uh, I think off a of singer. Maybe it was mm. Coar. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was, but that that was last year. So you know, maybe Kelnick can can. I feel like carry. one of them was off of a lefty. Maybe that was like a reliever that came in. I, I can't remember. I don't think now. so. But anyways, yeah. uh, help yes. us out down below if you're watching on YouTube. Help us out down below if you remember. Yes, and not because comments are good for the YouTube algorithm. Um, totally, so totally, definitely not. No, this is this is for us. Yes, well, <laughs> and you. Um. So yeah, you know, you need somebody to step up, and and Santana's going back to Kansas City. I mean. It's not like that's a huge deal, but eh, mm. you know sometimes that that you know sparks something. Uh, so again, we'll see how it all works out. The bullpen is it got used pretty good, but you do have the off day on Monday to uh, to kind of plan around, um, and hopefully, you know, with Marco, Logan, and, and Luis, you feel pretty good that those guys are going to give you innings at least. Mm. Uh, we'll see if Luis can can bounce back on on Sunday, but. Yeah, it's going to be warm in Kansas City. It's it's always warm, even in September. Um, Remember what Ichiro said about Kansas yes, City. Yes, can't repeat it on the show. <laughs> um, but you know, at least you didn't get there in July or August. You're there in September. Uh, there was rain in the forecast today. I don't know if that's how that's going to play in, but it's probably going to be pretty humid as well. So uh, we'll see how it works. And, and there's a lot of pieces that are going to be moving on a daily basis here. Is Ty France going to play third base tonight? I hope so because that means maybe Jesse Winker's DHing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's it's tough to really feel good about where this team is at right now. But with a magic number of nine, you really only have to win five or six games here down the stretch to to sneak into the playoffs. So we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes tonight. But it'd be very nice if they could win the first game of a series just to you know have that in your back pocket. Um, so maybe you can. You don't want to punt a game, but like if something gets a little out of hand, you're not desperate to rush the bullpen out there and try and save you uh, because you have the win in your back pocket. For the reason that you listed with the you know with the big outfield, just how big Kauffman Stadium is in general, I think this is going to be a big series for some of the guys that you listed there: Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty. You know the guys that have speed: Jared Kelnick. Um, you know we saw Kelnick uh, hit the 30 feet per second mark on his uh, mm-hmm. double uh, yesterday, like. You know the, the the Mariners obviously not known for speed, but they do have some guys that can run a little bit. So if you can put a ball in the gap, if you can put a ball down the line, you're going to be able to get at least a, a free double and probably a triple. You know, with with one of those guys. So um, that's probably how the Mariners are going to have to win these games, right? It's not going to be the home run ball uh, because, like you said, Kauffman Stadium is one of the hardest uh, ballparks to hit home runs in, uh, and so you're going to have to find other ways to win. And this offense hasn't really been able to do that for the most part, uh, especially as of late. Uh, but look, you're going to have to adapt, right? You, you got to be adaptable as a team and you got to learn to to get back into that because they were doing that a little bit, especially during the win streak. You know, it's just you got to be able to, you know, the, the, the situation isn't always going to call for, for you know, walk and a home run. 
you got to find other ways to win. Just have to do it. And so, you know, they do have mm-hmm. guys that can that can do that. They they do have players that are capable of, of doing that and making things happen on the base pass. Uh, but, you know, it's all about execution at the end of the day. So we'll see. Um, yep. But, yeah, you know, so I, I, I think overall you still got to feel good about, you know, heading into the series just on paper. But, you know, you never know, right, mm-hmm. with this team. You know, we've seen the last two series and how they've gone. Um as for you know France and and where he ends up, I mean, I I think you kind of have to play him at third base pretty consistently here over the next couple of weeks because that's probably the only way that you're going to be able to get him, Gino Suarez, and Carlos Santana all in the same lineup in the playoffs. And you can't just throw France and you know in at third base with like two games under his belt. Uh, so you got to get him reps, even though that <laughs> you and I don't think that he is. Uh, very capable there on the hot corner um you're gonna need to do that because that seems like the only option there um but yeah you know this is uh like you said this is one of those series where things get out of hand you know don't don't push it too hard don't don't you know you don't need to you're still you have such a great buffer still even with the orioles winning last night against the astros you still have basically a five game lead on the orioles right now when you factor in the tiebreaker you're fine you're fine. You're not really in, in any sort of danger right now to, to lose your playoff spot. And as we said on yesterday's show, you know, the wild card one would be nice. Hosting playoff games in Seattle would be really nice. Uh, but it's not, you know, worth, uh, you know, damaging your, your bullpen or, uh, you know, risking injury to, to one of your guys who's uh, laboring, a, you know, an ailment right now uh, for. So, you know, just play it safe. And uh, we're going to be talking about playing it safe with uh, Julio Rodriguez in a moment. But you have something to add real quick. Uh, no, I just, you know, uh, I had somebody reach out and ask if, if we could maybe explain the magic number uh, idea Okay. a little bit. So basically, guys, it's very simple, right? The Mariners are being chased by the uh, Baltimore Orioles, not the White Sox. I know some people tried to shoehorn the White Sox into this discussion. They're not. They're, the White Sox are out. Um, so it's it's Seattle and Baltimore. So that's it. That makes the magic number incredibly easy. The Mariners have, as Ty mentioned, a four-game lead on Baltimore, but they also have the tiebreaker, which makes it a de facto five-game lead. There is no game 163 this year. Head-to-head record is the tiebreaker. So Seattle has that over Baltimore, which means that with a five-game lead and each team having 13 to go, uh, 14 to go. 14? 13. 13. 13. 13. Yeah, both the Orioles and both the Orioles and Mariners have 13 left. Right. So it's pretty simple, right? With a five-game lead, the Orioles have to be five games better than the Mariners. Yes? Yeah. And so that – and while, you know, five, 13, like the math is there, right? Like it can be done. That is incredibly hard to accomplish, even with the way that the Mariners are playing right now. Right. Because that means that the Orioles basically, they have to line up. You know, they have to be, you know, and they're not playing great ball. Obviously, they beat the Astros, shut out the Astros yesterday, but that's not going to happen every night. Even even if the Astro, or even if the Mariners went, uh, if sorry, even if the Orioles went undefeated, they went 13 and 0, uh, Seattle would have to go, if Seattle goes 8 and 5, it's over. Like yeah. you still get in. So magic number is very simple. If you want to know how to deduct from it, every Mariner win, the number goes down. Every Orioles loss, the number goes down. And those aren't connected. The Mariners don't need to win and have Baltimore lose for that number to go down. 
Mariners win, number goes down. Orioles lose, number goes down. And any combination of those two things that equals nine means the Mariners are in the playoffs. So the Mariners mm-hmm. win five games from here to the end of the year and Baltimore loses four, you're still in. Yep. That That's how good of a spot the Mariners are in right now. So, yeah, just keep in mind, Baltimore loses, knock a number off. Seattle wins, knock a number off. Both teams lose. Number doesn't go anywhere. One team wins, or Baltimore wins, the Mariners don't. Number doesn't go anywhere. Number mm-hmm. can only go down. Yeah, it doesn't uh, go up. Right. So, yep, just Mariners wins plus Baltimore losses has to equal nine before the end of the year. And if that happens, you're in. Mm-hmm. All right. So, speaking of getting in, speaking of the postseason, you know, we are 13 games away. There isn't a whole lot of time, but there still is potentially enough time to get Julio Rodriguez right. And right now, the report is that he is likely heading to the injured list. We'll be talking about why that's probably for the best in just a moment. But, real quick, a reminder this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sporting wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about about the trends and action bet online is where the game starts you're listening to the locked on mariners podcast thank you so much for making us your first listen so according to ryan divish who won't be covering the games this week adam jude will be uh covering the games uh for the uh for the times uh but according to divish julio rodriguez is likely heading to the injured list now daniel kramer of mlb.com followed that up and added that you know it's not official yet that he's going on the il uh but the mariners are going to at the very least play things very cautiously with julio here so definitely not you're not going to see him in in kansas city uh you're and it seems like at the end of the day he probably is going to go on the injured list so you're not going to see him against texas either uh you won't see him for the next 10 days pretty much at, at the very least and look while it sucks to lose his bat right now with the way that the offense is performing, it's better to do this now because you absolutely need him. If you have any aspirations of winning games in the postseason and advancing through the postseason, you need Julio Rodriguez. But not only do you need his bat, you need his glove. You need him to be able to play center field because DH is going to be a logjam. Once Gino Suarez comes back from his injury... And with the way that, you know, they're playing Ty France at third base now, it doesn't seem like Gino is going to play third base again this season. So if you want Suarez in the lineup, he's got to be the DH. So you need Julio to play in center field. So ultimately, for me, this is the best decision that you can make. This is probably the decision that they should have made when this issue first arose in in Anaheim. Uh, But... You know, it's better not to just, you know, continue to force the issue. It's better not to double down here. It's, this is what's for the best. Give him all the time that he needs to rest up because you need him to be able to play 
and the outfield. And of course, you need him to hit. But like, it's very, very important just from a pure lineup construction standpoint that he is able to play in the outfield. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bummer. Uh, there's no way around it. Um, it more or less ends his regular season. Uh, he'll make it back for the final three games against Detroit. But yeah, then we'll see how this impacts his rookie of the year. Um, Chase, you know, obviously 30-30 is out the window now. Um, it's a bummer, but, you know, this thing might have been avoided had the Mariners had some foresight and then put him on the I.L. Uh, when it was initially a problem. And we've talked about this, you know, at length, the Mariners' um, lack of caution when dealing with some of these, you know, um, bruises and, 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 you know, back pains and things like that, they – they pretty much just let guys sit on the bench for three or four days and hope that that would fix it instead. Of, and then, you know, later on realize, oh, we probably should have put him on the IL, but now it's a sunk cost. So now we just kind of got to roll with it. You know, they did it with Ty France in the wrist. They did it with Mitch Haniger in his back. They've done it with Cal Raleigh in his thumb. It Now they did it with Julio in his, in his back. If you, if you put Julio on the IL when it first happened, you would have him back in three days, not 10. So... Yeah, it's it's a bummer. Um, I think this is rather poor planning on the Mariners' part to uh, to continue to push him uh, the way they did. Um, you know, we've seen him do it in in the past uh, with with other guys. So, to me, this is this is an issue uh, for the off season right now. Uh, it's a bummer, but it is what it is. And and you know, you like Ty said, you need Julio Rodriguez. There's no if ands or buts about it, you need Julio Rodriguez in the playoffs. And this is the best way to make sure you have him mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So it's a back thing. There's no guarantee. He doesn't, you know, creep up on him again uh, in October. Uh, but that's the risky run. You try and do everything you can to make sure you have as healthy of a team as you can in October. And you get to do that because of your, your lead in, in the wild card standings. It's a luxury that you needed to take advantage of earlier. They didn't. Now they have to take advantage of it, and it's unfortunate that it happens to Julio and Gino, who are quite literally the two best players on the Seattle Mariners this year, um, at least by F4. Yeah. I also kind of want to address something. that I um, I got a response to a, a tweet about the Julio situation on uh, Twitter and uh, talking about how you know it's going to be hard for, for – Julio to go from zero to hero in the playoffs. The Mariners don't need Julio to play hero ball necessarily, but they do need his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's not get it twisted here. The, the the Mariners can win playoff games without Julio putting the team on his back. Um, but guys have to perform, right? Guys have to execute. You know, Mitch Haniger has to step up. Ty France has to step up. Carlos Santana has to step up. You know, Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty, whoever's going to be able to get into this lineup, they have to step up. You know, because even if Julio is playing hero ball, can't win all these games by himself. So, you know, that while Julio is the face of the uh, of the franchise, you can't just look at him as like the only guy that or as the savior. You can't put that kind of expectation on him. What do you think? What do you think is more likely? I would say to this guy, um, that Julio's back issue creeps up again, and he you miss his games and you don't quite know when you're going to have him. You don't know. And he's going to miss games anyways. And therefore the rust thing is still going to set in. You think that's more likely to happen than, Oh, well he he goes out for 10 days, sits out for 10 days and then comes back with three games left in the regular season to try and get ready. Like, which one do you think, do you think those two like are not like 
do you think one of those things isn't going to happen? Like, is it more likely if you just kind of try and Julio have Julio play through this that he re-injures the back worse than it currently is? Mm. Or are you more concerned about, well, what if he gets rusty with 10 yeah. days off? And and I'm not... Uh, Both are I, not good. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that uh, the fellow here that, that responded to me is saying that they should have him play through it. I think he's mostly just no, no, talking no. about how unfortunate the whole situation is. Mm-hmm. But... It is. Uh, you know, and, and it sucks, you know. But, I, I you know, from, from my point of view, ultimately him going on the IL, that... You know, at this point, given just everything that's happened here and just trying to move forward, like that's the best possible situation for both he and the team. And the best way I, for me, in my opinion, for them to get the most out of Julio in the postseason as well. Um, I mean, this is kind of their only option, really, because like again, like you said, if he's just playing through the injury, you saw how it was affecting him yesterday. And that's a 21 year old. Guys, I mean, he he's never going to be in this shape for the rest of his life. You know, like this is like peak athletic, you know, built for him right now. So you saw how he was coming off of the field. He looked sick to me. Like he looked like he could hardly breathe. He looked a little woozy. He was walking very stiff. Like he, if that's impacting him in that sort of way, he shouldn't be playing baseball right now. So, you know, hopefully it, it only takes the minimum 10 days. Maybe it takes the rest of the regular season. And if so, then, you know, so be it. I still think that he he has the rookie of the year in the bag. Obviously, Adley's been fantastic, and Adley could have a great finish to the season. But considering all the things that Julio has still accomplished, yeah, he's not going to get to 30-30, which is really unfortunate, uh, and that sucks. But he's still, you know, done incredible things, things that no one has done in this game before, things that, you know, only a couple of people have done before as rookies. Like, he's had an incredible insane year it's kind of you know it's a little bit of a similar discussion to the i mean it's not necessarily the same but it's a little bit similar to the whole mvp discussion going on with shohei and aaron judge right now and it's like you know shohei's having a great year and obviously doing these things that you know people have never done before but also aaron judge is like breaking records right and julio's breaking records this year like he's literally etching his name into the to history books so to me it's still not a, even a question in my mind that julio should be the the rookie of the year whether or not he plays another game this regular season um all right anyway so let's uh let's move on to the off season. um you know, again, we're not going to do a ton of off-season talk, talk the rest of the way, but we're going to mix it in here uh, a little bit um, and uh, start looking uh, towards the future just a, just a little bit. So Colby has five would-you-rathers uh, that we're going to be going over here over the last 10 or so minutes of the show. So Colby, what do you got for me? All right, Ty. Would you rather fight a 1,000 Carlos Santana's or one Julio Rodno. Okay. Um, <laughs> a thousand uh, duck size Carlos Santana's. Mm. Or, or one, one Julio. One Julio. Or just, just one Julio, just one regular one, Julio. One 100% healthy Julio. Or a thousand duck size Carlos Santana's. Let's make it a hundred. Hundred? Yeah. The hundred Carlos Santana's. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Uh, but no, seriously. So off season, would you rather's? Um, have a few of these. I pick five. I don't know why I pick these five. I think some of them are pretty good. Some of them, eh, you know, we'll see. Like so, Ty, first up, would you rather guarantee Carlos Correa $200 million or 
give Mitch Haniger three fully guaranteed years. There's no cost associated with that? Just three fully guaranteed Just years? Be realistic. Be realistic, you're, of course. Yeah. You're not getting in for three years, $5 million a year. Like, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Haniger just keeps on getting hurt. Um, and that has to be taken into account here. Whether you like it or not, he keeps on getting hurt. And whether that's by his fault or not, he keeps on getting hurt. It's just the way it is. On top of that, he hasn't been particularly good this year. Um, so when you factor in injuries, you factor in, you know, obviously he has a great arm, but the rest of the defense is subpar. Um Non-zero chance that he's just going to have to be a DH guy at some point, even in those three years. To me, it's Correa, even though that, you know, I'm not high on Correa as some people are. I He's not my top target heading into the offseason for the Mariners. He's not even in my top two short, like, middle infield uh, candidates for the Mariners, personally. Um, And part of that is obviously back issues. I think he's just also kind of overrated. He's not a superstar like some people make him out to be. He's just, he's not. He's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. Not a bad player by any means. Really good player. I would go Correa here. Um, Even though that I do have some hesitancy with going, you know, $200 million, which likely means like a seven year commitment. Uh, he's still, you know, playing at a pretty high level right now. He's playing. He plays at a position that the Mariners greatly need, in my opinion. And I mean, that's still like, even if he's not like a five, six, seven win guy, like some people think he might be, you know, still three, four wins is really good. And uh, the Mariners could use that. So if that costs two hundred million, so be it. Okay. Uh, speaking, I want to of- know what you think, though. I want. Uh, okay. I want. I want your answer. Uh, Correa, not close. Okay, yeah. So I'm also not a huge Correa guy, but it's not. I'm not giving Mitch Haniger two guaranteed years, let alone three. Mm. Um, I just I can't trust the dude, and I have to have somebody who's going to play. Yeah. Um, and the beauty of Correa is is that you know if he loses some athleticism, even though he's only 27, uh, he'll be pretty good at third base too. Yeah. Down the line, so I'm not too worried. But the bat will will still be fine. Um. All right, so a couple injury uh, injury prone guys here. Mm. Who would you rather give fifty million dollars to, Zach Eflin or Mitch Haniger? It's interesting because you know Eflin has uh, been really good at Citizens Bank, and he's been dreadful on the road. Uh, and obviously, that's like in thirty or so innings this year. Uh, I don't know historically how that goes for him, but you know, you think about T-Mobile Park, and he should be fine theoretically. I like Eflin. Um, I think the Mariners should upgrade their number five. So it's kind of, you know, same issues for me with Mitch, obviously. Um, and you said it was $50 million. So that's probably another three year deal right there that we're talking about. So, yeah, for the same reasons that I would say no to Mitch with the Correa situation, getting a number five starter who I think might, you know, ha- who has pretty significant upside to me um, and has more upside than Marco Gonzalez does. Yeah, that's more valuable to me than than a corner outfielder with declining defense and health issues. Yeah, Mitch is just more replaceable. Yeah, um, yeah it's just easier to find corner outfield uh, guys right, you know, right without now. costing a ton. Like yeah. you can you can trade for a decent one with like um, a one twenty one ten WRC plus. Right, know. and and you know I know Mitch is like a lot of people. Well, well, he's a one twenty WRC plus. That's ten percent worse offensively. 
Yes, but there are other ways to provide value like defense and base running. So you can actually get a lesser bat than Hanniger in right field and still improve your team overall. Um, one of the ways you do that is by preventing runs, which the Mariners are pretty good at right now. Might be better with a good defensive outfield. So uh, I would mm-hmm. I would say Eflin as well. All right, so this one and this next one, <laughs> I think this will drive a lot of people crazy. That's why I mm-hmm. picked it. You have to pick one to be the starting left fielder for the Seattle Mariners next year. Jesse Winker or Joey Gallo? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you can't say that, like, you're, I mean, because, like, are you giving up much offensive upside here? Because, like, jo- Jesse Winker walks, but so does Joey Gallo. <laughs> like, obviously, Gallo strikes out a hell of a lot more than Jesse Winker does, but more home, so, more home runs potentially. Also, shift ban, does that get the average up to, like, 210, 220-ish for Gallo? Obviously, that's going to be singles. That's not a huge part of the argument here. But the big thing for me, obviously, is the significant defensive upgrade. This is why I'm picking Gallo here, Uh, as crazy as that sounds, with how bad his year has been. And he's been a little bit better in L.A., I think. I haven't checked in on him lately, but I think he was actually having some success down in L.A. Um you know, outfield uh, jump is still like 83rd percentile. I was looking into it earlier today. Uh, the outs above average are like 23rd percentile this year. But, you know, as long as the outfield think, jump is still pretty good, then. I think Jesse Winker is at four. Yeah. So that's so. still that's still an upgrade. That's still technically an upgrade. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like Gallo has the athleticism to be at least average to above average in left field. Uh, he's been basically damn near elite at times in his career uh so when you pair that with you know some of the offensive flaws that are a little bit similar to to winkers not entirely but also some of the offensive positives that are very similar to winkers and there might be even more power upside there than winker right now winker is obviously like the better bet to hit i think even you know go you know even with how this year has gone but the defensive value is just i mean there's really words can't describe how much of a difference that is like that's apples and oranges between joey gallo and jesse winker yep uh because i specifically said left field i would go with gallo yeah dh probably winker but yes agreed that's a good way to put it anyway so two left Got to wrap up here pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you rather, let's save that one for last. Would you rather trade for Max Kepler or Cody Bellinger to be in your outfield next year? Mm. For context, Bellinger has one year left of club control. Kepler has two. Bellinger is going to make at least $20 million next year. Uh, Kepler, I think, is scheduled to make eight. Uh, Kepler has struggled this year, just like Bellinger. Bellinger clearly, you know, MVP uh, candidate or. Did he win it a few years ago? I don't know. If yeah, he won I think he won not. it in 2019. Right. So yeah. obviously there's more upside there. Um, Bellinger, I believe, is younger. But anyways, who, who would you rather have? Kepler or Bellinger? Consider mm. co- what you think the cost would be and also salary and control all that. Take everything into account. Well, um, I don't think it costs really much like in terms of trade uh, value. Right, like I mean, for the Dodgers, obviously they're not going to be, um, you know, they might non-tender him. 
Yeah. But they also might, you know, they don't need the money, right? Or they're not going to be desperate to, like, get the $20 million no. off of their books. Uh, so that does have to factor in a little Still, bit. Still, I, I don't think they just want to waste $20 million if they can sure. avoid it. Sure. Yeah. So Kepler, I feel like you could get for Penn Murphy or less than that, honestly. Um, Bellinger. Maybe a Perlander Baroa if the Twins want, like. It's really interesting, you know, uh, but I, I think because like it's going to cost you $20 million to take on Bellinger, we got to be realistic about it. You know, call the Mariners cheap or what have you. You know, Jerry DePoto has got a budget that he's got to work with. That's going to take a pretty big chunk out of that budget. Yeah. And for a guy that's, you know, hitting for, let me see here, 79 WRC plus this year and a 47 WRC plus last year. I know it's Cody Bellinger. I know the upside is there. I know he's a former MVP, all this stuff, but. That's two full seasons now of him being garbage. Not even bad, like literally like unplayable. So I think I go Kepler here. As crazy as it sounds, I, I think I go Kepler here. I do too. You also get the plus right field defense with Kepler and again yeah. another guy who should be helped with the shift band. So um yeah, I like Kepler quite a bit as a potential like Hanager replacement. We'll see if the twins are buying or selling or what they're doing. They're kind of Second year in a row, they've disappointed, and and you know, are they looking to make changes? Are they finally going to just you know start over? Like, what what are they going to do? Twins are a, are a very interesting team uh, mm-hmm. this winter. That's right, so now probably my favorite one. Very simple and topical. You're going to trade Jared Kelnick, Ty. Who do you want? You get two offers. Which one of these are you taking? Kelnick for uh, Vidal Brujan, Brujan. I think mm-hmm. it's Brujan, right? Yeah. Uh, or Jared Kalnick for Dustin May? Uh, it's going to be Dustin May for me. Yeah, always, always the starter, always the starter. Also, Bruhan's been like obviously he's you know had great success down in the minors. You know, Bruhan is Tampa Bay Rays Jared Kalnick, basically. Yeah, but it's been a struggle at the major league level, and so like that's obviously a better comp. And I don't, I don't think you would get Dustin May for Jared no, Kalnick straight up. No. no. Um, but the that's not the question. The question is, would I trade Jared Kelnick for Dustin May or Vidal Bruhan? It's Dustin May without hesitation for me. Right. So real fast, though, then, would you trade Jared Kelnick for Vidal Bruhan? You play second. Yeah. You don't have a second baseman. Both guys have struggled at the big league level. Both guys have torched the minor league level. I think they're roughly the same age. That one's hard. That one's hard because it's like there's no guarantee that Bruhan's going to be good at second base, but there's also no guarantee that Kelnick's going to be good either. And he's at a position that hopefully the Mariners address in a significant fashion this offseason, maybe even to the point that Kelnick is more or less expendable. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it feels. You could say the same about Bruhan. It feels like the Mariners to go get a middle infielder. Yeah, but it's also I want them to go get a better middle infielder. <laughs> you know? Like that that's kind of the thing that's giving me pause is like I would rather that they go out and get someone better than Bruhan for second mm-hmm. or short, you know. So um yes, you're trading I think, you're trading power for speed. Yeah. Um and you're trading corner outfield guy who should be a corner outfield for a middle infielder. I'll say this, like if I if I saw that they did this, I would get it. I'd understand. I'd support it. Like yeah, for I'd, Tampa I'd, Bay too. Yeah, I'd get it for both sides. I totally understand it. I just don't. 
I, I'm going to say no just because I I would like the Mariners to just aim high, a lot higher at second base or shortstop, well, I, whichever I think. Gonna... I think, uh, by the way, it's pronounced Bruhan. Yeah, so. it's Bruhan. Yeah. I think the thing with Bruhan is, is that, like, you know, you hope he's, like, you acquire him and, and let's say you sign Xander or whoever, right? Yeah. Um, okay, well, JP's your second baseman. Bruhan is... You know, probably Moore, utility. Yeah. yeah. He's your Dylan Moore, Abraham Torres. But if Bruhan starts to outperform JP Crawford, you have True. a cheap guy for five years and so six years actually still of club control. So, yeah, I don't know. That'd be an interesting one if it came down the pipe. Um, Let me ask you this before we hop off, just very quick. Do you think, or, or rather, do your feelings change if Kelnick is as good as we saw him yesterday for the rest of the season and even the no. playoffs. Really? No. Not no. at all? No. There's nothing Kelnick can do in 50 at-bats that's going to change my mind. Mm. And by the way, my mind is still that he's going to be a good player. So, so it's not like I have a negative, you know, I just think I just think Bruhan's going to be a good player too. So, gotcha. Gotcha. and you know, I, I need middle infielders. I have outfielders. Gotcha. So just it's just one of those things. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidane Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league wide podcast locked on MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day and a beautiful baseball weekend. And we'll see you on Monday. Peace.